Love Life, featuring your hosts, Rebecca Detman and Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. I'm looking forward to connecting with interesting people and having fun. Welcome to Love Life. I'm Rebecca Detman. And I'm Jane Donovan. And we've got a lovely, fun topic for you today for anyone listening who is single or knows someone single. And even if you want to reminisce about the times that you were single, because the topic today, which Jane likes to call how to get a date, although it is so much more than that, it is so deeper than that. It really is about knowing thyself very, very thoroughly and what, and then hence, you know, how you attract in and what you bring to the relationships in your life. So I, I am thinking this is going to apply to a lot of listeners, even the ones who might be married or de facto or whatever, Jane. Exactly. Look, I think this is how to socialise with the most beautiful of intent to connect with people. Yeah, because there are definitely take-home tips that Jane's going to be giving you today that are absolutely universally will apply to any of the relationships in your life, be it the mother-in-law, be it the colleagues at work, you know, be it your partner that you're already at home with, or that new relationship that might be blossoming in your life or the one that you're looking for. Now, Jane started today's show with a really gorgeous affirmation, and I'm going to get her to say it again so she can talk to you about three key words that she's used in today's affirmation. I'm looking forward to connecting with interesting people and having fun. Now, this is the mantra, this is the affirmation that I encourage everybody to take out with them when they're socializing. The reason being the first word of connecting. When we connect with someone else, it's a sense of not just seeing the other person, but having that feeling that they see you too. And even if it's somebody that you choose to never see again, it just feels great when you really connect with someone else, don't you believe? Oh my gosh. Yes. You know, you go to that party, there's 50 people in the room, you find that one person, you sit down with them, you just can't stop talking to them. It's just like you've got a new best friend and yeah. it feels amazing. And even if you don't see them again, it, that connection is so heartfelt. So that's what I mean by connecting. Now, the next power word in there is interesting. I believe that interesting is the expansion of life. You know, talking to people that have got careers that you've never heard of or don't know anything about that have traveled to places that you want to go to or again have never heard about or interesting hobbies or, or uh, recreational pursuits when you're learning about new stuff that's interesting it's the expansion of the universe and so that stimulates you now the last one is the word fun when you're having fun, it gives you the incentive to keep going. It gives you the incentive to continue. And as with anything in life, if you're desiring something new socially, you've got to keep going. You've got to have resilience. You've got to keep putting yourself out there, practicing, experiencing, so that you can have the ultimate connections that you're desiring, you know, whether it's new business networking, whether it's wanting to make a new friendship group, whether it's wanting to move into, you know, you've got kids that have started a school and you want to make sure that you can get in with the people that you feel comfortable with there. It doesn't matter where it is in life. The fun is the incentive to keep trying. Fun is an attitude because there are always going to be times in your life that either aren't fun or could be perceived, easily perceived, like you could easily be set back, yes. you know, maybe by a series of rejections, maybe by there hasn't been much happening lately on, you know, in my life. And it can be so easy to go to go into your victim story or your negative story. So fun sometimes has to be, you know, a little bit of hard work in the sense that you really need to have a good attitude about it. You need to keep pushing to have an open and inviting attitude to welcoming in and keep having positive expectations about what may lay around just the next corner. Exactly. Now, 
Right. So, dating. How do you have a date? What is is a date, Jane? Well, first off, here's something that people really muck up in is they have an illusion about what a date is. A date is, oh, a girl meets a boy or a boy meets a girl and we really like each other and maybe they'll be the one. Maybe they won't be. Dating also, at this juncture, can I say, I reckon has a really different understanding in the States, for example, than here. It does. I've got no idea what England does, but I know that... In Australia, it's like we've only just started to have that as a concept or as part of our lexicon almost more recently because dating's been in America for decades and decades as a cultural norm, which we don't really – like when you were a kid in, mm-hmm. or even in the 70s, people didn't date then, did they, Jane? No. In Australia, no. we didn't date. No. You'd meet somebody and if you liked them, you'd, you'd go out – You'd get asked out on a date, but you wouldn't use the you, term date. So you'd go out. You'd go out. You yeah. were going out with them, but it was exclusive instantly. Really? Well, I think so. So yeah. you just understood, even if you hadn't said, let's be in a relationship together, that you wouldn't be seeing someone else the next That's night. right. Yes. Whereas in America, it's perfectly fine. It was either a hookup. Right. Or. You were with them. You were with them. And, and a hookup was sex on the first night. Or and, and in America, it's very popularly understood you can be on three or four different dates every night of the week with different guys. And until that's you've right. had that conversation, that's when it's exclusive. That's right. Yes. Yes. Just to make that clear. I actually like the American way, but I understand that if you're not comfortable with it, you can't. It but what confusing. I want people to do, the, the, the medium ground on this is to, I encourage people to look at the date as though... It's just all that's happened is that you've met somebody that you enjoyed meeting and all that you're saying is, well, I enjoyed meeting you the first time, so, yeah, let's catch up and we'll explore meeting you a second time. That's all it is. You don't know if they're going to be a friend, a lover, a long-term partner, an enemy, somebody you never want to see again. You know, you've got no idea. Just spending time. That's all it is. Mm. So really lighten up on that. It's just a date. That's all it is. You know, I've had clients that have said to me, I can't believe it. Like, we know we had a really nice dinner and then we were talking about wanting to go up to the Barossa Valley for the weekend, for, for a day trip. And so we organized that for in a couple of weeks' time. And then I get this text message saying, you know, oh, I'm not sure. I'm really not sure if you're right for me. And it's after one date. It's like, well, how could you be sure? I wouldn't expect you to be sure. People are ruling in and out far too fast. And this is the inaccurate it's judgment not, thing, isn't it, Jane? Yeah, it is, which we'll get into that in a tick, but okay. it's just not a marriage proposal. <laughs> Having a day trip to the Barossa is not a marriage proposal. You are not leading him up the garden path. That's the other thing I hear See? from women. I don't want to lead him on. Lead him on to what? It's a grey area. Come on, Jane. People, it's not. Some people, people do make it a grey area. People do start to warm in their feelings towards people the more time they spend with them, though. So if one person's going a bit cold and they recognise early the energy or the chemistry is not there for them, surely it's okay to pull the plug on that. Yeah, it is fine, absolutely. But we're not to be saying I'm just not sure. <laughs> you know <laughs> what like, should they be saying, Jane? Oh, you're not for me. So what's what's the difference here? Is it in the truth, the honesty, and the kindness of delivery? It's that the person that says I'm not sure is protecting themselves. Okay. And is is too fearful, and everything's not every single box isn't being ticked yet. And those right. boxes could be ticked if you gave them a chance, okay. or maybe it won't ever be ticked, but you don't know. So they're making judgment calls far too quickly. Bearing in mind that a lot of our listeners are highly spiritual people or very intuitive people. I actually find them the worst in the day. Oh, I love it. So sorry to say. <laughs> I have a much higher than normal percentage of spiritual clientele because of the law of attraction that I, I mean, I love them as clients. Don't get me wrong. That's actually my rock star client is somebody that's consciously aware. 
However, I often find that their judgment, oh, I'm listening to my intuition, oh, my judgment, and it's just off because they're not. I, I, most spiritual people know that when it comes to matters of the heart, it's really hard to know yourself. You've got to call on somebody else outside of yourself to give you some guidance and wisdom. Yeah, ding, ding, go on. And so, <laughs> thanks, having a moment. Yeah. Um, and so I feel that spiritual people, while being beautifully open to saying yes to connecting with people, will often rule them out pretty damn quickly. Because when you're a spiritual person, you can sense if a chemistry is there or not because it's energetic, Jane. You're not buying it, are yeah, you? I understand that, but i actually not buying it because it's usually <laughs> not that they didn't even give the chance for that to happen. It was like, no, actually, there was something they're not consciously aware enough. They're not at the same point of my journey. Well, here's what I want people to know about spiritual journeys is that as somebody who's been on a spiritual journey for, for decades – I've watched people have their aha moments and two years later, some of the wisdom that they know is so advanced that I'm having to listen to it several times to get my head around it. So people can have their aha moments and grow at such a fast rate that they are going to surpass where you're at. So we can't be comparing and measuring where are we at spiritually and I want my partner to be at the same level. So you know, I'm not talking about that though. I'm just talking about... Yeah, that can be one of the big things that people are ruling out too sure, quick. Sure, sure. I, I think I'm just talking about that that base, primal, ground level. That you. This is why dating apps, like Hot or Not, kind of work to some extent, where you know your your type. Everyone's sort of got a type. There's like there's, there's guys you find attractive, there's guys mm-hmm. that you just don't find it, don't find attractive. Yeah. You know which ones sometimes just from a glance give you a tingle. Yes. And other ones, well, yeah, they look friendly. Nothing yeah. much there, but maybe just go and see, go and check. The ones that give you a tingle, you can always spot them. And it's not just, we're not talking dating here. You can get that through a girlfriend or through, mm-hmm. through a family member. You, you meet someone and you think, I've just got an electricity with that soul. Yeah, right? absolutely. But you're saying but don't call out everyone. Not, no, that's right, because there are so many areas I can go in on here, but there's an illusion out there that, Happily married people say to single people, oh, don't worry, you'll know when the one turns up. That's you'll know. such a cliche, isn't it? It's bullshit. But we hear that all the time. Okay, here's the bullshit. There's science behind this now. There's been a fantastic Go, Jane. 20-year study done on this. <laughs> it's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful study, and I'm trying desperately to think of the um, psychotherapist in the States that did it. If I think of the name, I'll come back to it in the podcast. Um, so she interviewed 20 years ago all of these people that had first dates, hundreds of people, and documented how each of them, independent of each other, knowing what the other, they were saying about the other, how did the first date go? She recorded that. Now, of these people, those who ended up in a long-term relationship, most of them, many of them married, she then revisited them 20 years later and said to them, how was your first date? Tell me about your first date. Now, those who 20 years later was, were happily married to the same person told them that the first date was amazing, that they knew that it was the one, that it was incredible, and here we are 20 years later happily in love. Yeah. Now, those who had either separated, divorced, or were still together but very unhappy together said that the first date was actually dreadful. The warning bells were there, but they chose to not see them. Now, that's pretty much what we would expect people to say, right? Right. Now, here's the final bit of the research. When she went back and quoted to them what they said from their first dates, the vast majority had said, it was a nice night. 
Very few said it was amazing. This is the one. Very few said I've got warning bells going off. It was just a nice night. So this research is clearly saying that what that, what happens is we distort our past to support where we are in the present. I'm going to say that again. We distort our memories of the past to support where we are in the present. Because we reform our stories to suit exactly where we need to be in our life. Yeah. That's proof. Fascinating concept, oh, isn't it? Fascinating. Yes. We do a whole podcast just on that alone. <laughs> Where's your story changing? I, I you know? did. Wasn't that Victor to Victor? That was that one. Well, yes. Yes. But, it, but what's interesting here, therefore, is as a result of this mental behavior that we have is that every single person that's in a happy marriage is running around town saying that, their first date was amazing and don't worry, you'll know when you meet the one, when the reality is that's not true. No. So what we've now done through this saying this and sharing this belief with single people is that single people are going around on first dates saying it's not there, it's not there, this isn't the one, this isn't the one. And your point is... And therefore it doesn't exist. You've got to give it more of a go. Is what you do. Yeah. So if you're having a nice date, that is worthy of a second date. So let's talk about inaccurate judgment, which was, which is such a big thing with Jane. It's one of the first things she ever told me about when I met her because she's like, I think at the time you were an absolute crusade to change the world on the inaccurate judgment platform. She was like, this is the single most problem that all Western society has is inaccurate judgment. And actually the famous Jane Austen book, Pride and Prejudice, I should have done my research for this podcast, but Jane Austen actually originally gave it another title, which they changed. And it, it wasn't inaccurate judgment, but it was something like that. It was something about how first impressions can be so wrong. And then when you actually get to know the person, you, you can oftentimes just be proven so wrong in who you thought that they really are. Like right. who they really are is just beautiful, amazing, right. right? Yes. Which, of course, was Darcy yeah. and um, Elizabeth Bennett. But, yes, Jane. Now, I think it's Dr. Pat Allen. I'm not 100% sure if this was the psychotherapist that did this particular paper. Um, but her research, uh, which came out, I think it was probably about four or five years ago, I believe, which if you want to Google her, she's amazing. She's the, uh, she's in her eighties. She specializes in helping single people, but she's a relationship counselor, but does do a lot of work with single people, particularly career women. And, uh, is where I learned a lot about alpha beta energy, which we've done a podcast on. Uh, anyway, she did this, this research on, um, judgment and came clearly to the conclusion that it takes seeing somebody three times before an accurate opinion can be formed. Now, if you stop and think about the interview process, if you're going for a job interview, your first job interview, you're incredibly nervous. You're really keen on this job. You've heard lots about it. You really want it. You're very nervous. Then you get called back for the second interview. Well, you're feeling a bit more relaxed because now you know they like you. They've seen something in you that they like. So you're going and you're a little bit more cheeky and you're a little bit more showing your personality and you're a little bit more relaxed. Now you're called back for a third interview. It's like, great. I'm going to nail it now. Now they're getting my full-blown confident self. Here I am. Correct? Mm -hmm. So why is that any different to dating? I'm thinking it's a bit like that Coca-Cola six-time branding strategy as well. If you see something six times, that's it's like the sixth or seventh time. Or a seventh for Coke, yeah. Seven that you reach, that you finally reach for. Yeah, they have seven signs within any one kilometre. Ah, so you have to get that. Um, what's it called when it goes under your peripheral? Um, like sub- subliminal, subliminal yes. marketing. So yes. it's like, um, yeah. It, it, so you need. But to... I think this is also about emotional comfortable, comfortableness. Oh yes, and so. It's, 
this research was so strong that she did that a lot of the top HR companies in the States are now insisting on three interviews for all key positions. Interesting. And so I believe that that this is should ja- Jane's be. just moved from inaccurate judgment straight to her three-date rule. Which is I enough, have. Which is a, I? Yes, I a bit clever. She segued into I'm the next. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So, uh, which is yeah, the three date rule, and hence that's why if you meet somebody and it's a nice date, and they have not presented with any of your not negotiables. Oh. Okay. We'll get to not negotiables. Um, then it is really important that you give that person a second chance, and if you have the second date. And again, nothing dreadful has turned you off. I'm not talking about you didn't like his tie or she's got a, a funny giggle. Well, that's because she's nervous. Um, and you can buy his ties for him if you fall in love. Then you should continue with a third date. And basically you keep going until you either fall in love or it's not going anywhere or he's annoying you or Look, she's annoying you. A lot of times in life, people who don't present as an immediate exterior, external match – can really grow on you. Exactly. Look at the office romance. You know, this is where chemistry can grow. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are um, are forgetting that, that it absolutely can grow. But I even look at my own marriage. You know, we've been together nearly 20 years. And I find that there are times that I fall more in love with him. And then there are times that I fall a little bit out of love and then I'm back in, in a more passionate way. Yeah. It, it, it is rhythms and cycles. Rhythms, that's rhythms and cycles. But, you know, this is a really kind of macabre example as well. But I, I've often thought over the years, when I was a child, I read the diary of Anne Frank, who, of course, was the, the Jew in Holland who was, you know, locked in a house so the Nazis couldn't find her. traumatic book. Awful, I know. However, so she's obviously in this house with this other family who've got a teenage son. Now, this is the first impressions thing. When you read her diary entries when she first met him, she was like, oh, he's tall, he's got a big nose, and oh, he's annoying, and this and that. By the end of the book, they were wildly in love with each other. Now, I know they're teenagers locked in a house together, but it is. The first time you meet someone, you can't know how you're going to feel about no. anyone until you get to know them. That's right, exactly. Yeah. And the, the, the inaccurate judgment is incredible. If I could wave a wand and have every one of my clients lose their judgment, I guarantee they would all be in love in a healthy relationship within six months. Jane, this is reminding me of a big statement. In our very, 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 very first few podcasts, you told me about an American television show where they're all blindfolded or in the dark or something. Oh, yes, there's one in Australia too, Dating in the Dark. Yeah. It's a bit of a crappy show, but it's an interesting concept. the premise is perfect. If you could just put – it's because we are such an attractive, you know, appearance-based society. If you could just blindfold everybody, maybe this is where the hijabs, you know, the Muslims have it right with the, with the veils because you've got to fall in love with the heart, surely. I don't know. If you could just put a hood on everyone and sit them in a room and then have them do a sixth dinner at an eighth – well, it's dinner. interesting you did that because I'm actually a bit of a fan of Patty Stanger who's um, – look, I can also go into the negatives there, but she, she runs uh, or she hosts a television show called Millionaire Matchmaker and runs the Millionaire's Club in, in L.A. Now, it's L.A., so it's full of um, very colourful, different yes. uh, characters and it's very extroverted. Um, but basically she puts together cocktail parties and she has a millionaire or, or millionaire-esque and then she organises cocktail parties where one person will come in and they get to meet half a uh, get to meet a dozen or so different people of the opposite gender and choose somebody for a master date. Right. Well, she actually made them in this episode a couple of weeks ago all do it blindfolded first. Yeah, well, good because, on her. Because they would shoot her, these particular clients were too shallow, and so. <laughs> I love well, it. You know what? Well, looks fade. Some of the dating, change. Some of the dating sites like um, Badoo or Blender have 
um, a function where people can chat invisible to each other so that they'll pair you up with somebody on the database and you can have, uh, uh, I don't know how long they give you, maybe a few minutes or five-minute chat, and then at the end of it, they'll unveil what you both look like. And if you like a little bit each other, you can keep chatting, and if not, so you, you actually start yeah. from the back and play. And I do think that appearances are very important because if you can't see yourself kissing them, it's not going to happen. But you need to give them the chance to find their beautiful qualities. So the inaccurate judgments, the things that I get are like, um, oh, look, I really enjoyed meeting him. I thought he was lovely, but um, uh, he's so busy um, that I just can't see him making any time for me. How do you know that? He's busy probably because he's lonely and he's filling his life up. We get we as Westerners are very good at getting busy when there's something lacking in our life. Sure. If she doesn't know that he's not prepared to actually sell off his multi million dollar business and woo her and give her the most incredible lifestyle. Absolutely. You know, I watch this sort of judgment all the time. Mm. Oh, he's got three children. I actually was really hoping for, hoping for more. Well, I've got on my notes that he's open to having more children. Yeah. So, you know, she's just ruled him out because she assumed. Well, if you they'd know, had three dates, Jane, they could have had more conversation about some exactly. of these things. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Hence the three-date rule. It's just, just leave your judgment at the door. If you don't know, if you do not know because the words have not come out of their mouth, ask the question. Let's talk about self sabotaging behavior oh gosh where to start there okay inner child now we've done podcasts on the inner child but that is by far one of the biggest self-sabotaging behavior where the inner child is running the show he or she is insecure and how that plays out so it could be that you're really needy it could be that you're really grandstanding i see a lot of borderline narcissism through this so when you Um, go to one of jane's parties like um she'll have for example on valentine's day she'll have a huge big party with all of her database all the singles in one room and Excuse me. And she'll say, now, the energy in the room right now is still a little bit tense because everyone's still just doing inner child, but in about 45 minutes it's going to settle down and we're going to get into our 20s and then after that. You found that fascinating, didn't I've you? Seen it all. I've seen it all play out and then another hour it warms up a bit more and then finally everyone becomes adult by the end of the night. Yeah, that's it. It's true. So if a cocktail party starts at 7.30, by 9.30 we've got a room of adults. Oh, isn't that fascinating? Yeah, so it, it is. Um, so the person that is really standing in their own power, that is able to walk into a room and go, you know what, I am worthy, I'm fantastic, I'm looking forward to connecting with interesting people and having fun, therefore not having any attachment to the outcome outside of chatting with people with a positive attitude that walks in and not worried, they are the rock star client that gets to talk to everybody. And it's infectious because they're relaxed and happy and smiling and everyone wants to talk to that person because they're not going to get a cold shoulder because this person's got nothing to prove. They're not, well, what if that horrible person comes up and talks to me? What if somebody sees me talking to that person who's X, Y, Z? You know, the judgment game. There we go. Which is all high school stuff, isn't it? I don't want to be seen with those kids. I want to be seen with the popular kids. kids. And, you know, if, if it's not in a child, I think another thing that can happen there, Jane, is if people have been in really long-term relationships or marriages and the last time they act, they actually were in the dating scene, they were quite young, they basically pick up where they last left they off. Do. So even if they're 55, but the last time they were dating was 21, they'll go back and be a 21-year-old that's in right. that space again. Exactly, yes. So yes. you've got that to contend with. So you've, got to, really, that's you've got to really do some work there, exactly. Um, the, the biggest thing with self-sabotaging behaviour is usually people's fear of rejection and how how they handle that. So some people will become, you know, the ice maiden um, where they will be completely unapproachable because to protect themselves from from having the fear of, you know, being rejected, Um, which is what I love about my cocktail parties is I actually have a rule that there are no cold shoulders. So if anyone's listening to this as running parties for singles, please 
do that rule. Stand up at the beginning of the night, get on the mic and say, no cold shoulders. I don't care who comes up to you. You can afford them 60 seconds of your time tonight to just be pleasant and chat. And if you need an incentive of why, you don't know who's watching you. So here's the girl that would normally give the cold shoulder because the guy that's coming up is not her type at all. She doesn't want to be stuck talking to him. She hasn't got the skills to end a conversation so she turns her cold shoulder. But the guy that's 10 out of 10 that she would love to hear from, he was actually watching her. He'd spotted her and he was about to go over and approach to her. And then he saw another guy going first. And he thought, oh, that's all right. I'll wait till they finish chatting and then I'll go over and say hi. But then he sees her give the cold shoulder. So guess what? I love it. He's not approaching anymore. <laughs> Why would he? He's going to risk rejection. And that is the biggest fear that, that guys have is rejection. So a girl, if you want to get a guy to approach you, you've got to make him feel completely safe and comfortable that he is not going to reject you. Well, isn't rejection big for women too? Isn't that It is, but it's not, we still have the tradition of men approaching women. Having said that, I've got a lot of women that I've coached in my club that are actually brilliant at, uh, really brilliant at, being able to approach men in a beautiful way um, or people, just approach people and get conversations started. They're fabulous. Mm. But we still have the tradition of men approaching women. So what do you do if you want a nice guy to approach you and you don't have the confidence or courage to be able to approach them? Do the six-second stare. Oh, See, I learned about that in Dolly Magazine when I was a kid in year nine. I, <laughs> I, learned, I think it wasn't even that many seconds. That's a lot of seconds. It is a long time, but here's the here's how it works, okay, because it does feel like a ridiculous length of, length of time. So you um, stalk around at a bar. Time. Let's say you're at a bar or a party, wherever. I want you to break away from the pack. If you're with girlfriends, you're going to break away. You've got to make yourself solo. So pretend that you're going to the toilet or go up to the bar or whatever, and then place yourself in eye alignment with him. and then. You actually just keep staring at him until he makes eye contact. And he will. We all know when someone's staring at us and energetically we turn and catch that person. Right. right? Yep. Don't we? Yeah. So this is using also a little bit of, you know, magic, psychic magic here, energetic work. <laughs> now, the six seconds starts from when he made the first eye contact, all right? So as you stare at him, he's going to go realize, oh, she's staring at me. And then he's going to break the eye contact and look over one of his shoulders to see if you're looking at the guy next to him. Is this, is this, well, there's no guy there. So then he moves his head back and makes eye contact with you again. She's still looking at me. Oh, so he's then smiling. And she just yeah, yeah, it's got to be warm. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, and then um, he will turn his head over the other shoulder to check that it is nobody else there. Then he moves back. Now, the six seconds is over. But as he moves back, you make eye contact for that third time. He now clearly knows that you were checking him out and you've got a warm smile on your face. Okay. So now one of three things is going to happen. Now, hang on. Ad advanced. Here's an advanced version. Slight lift of the eyebrows. Oh, okay. I didn't know that one. Bit of an arch. Bit of a... <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just finding the mirror and doing it in the mirror to see what it looks like. Because, and again, all of my all of my knowledge comes from Cosmopolitan magazine. But I have heard. Oh God, get back! I know but this stuff is good. If you catch a boy's eye and you just arch the eyebrow, it's suggestive. It is. It is suggestive. So it's, it's a question. It's, it's come, questioning. Come hither. It's questioning. Yeah. Exactly. So go on. Yeah. No, that is good. All right. That is good. Three lots of eye contact. Then what? Okay. So then he will. Either do one of two things. He'll approach you or he won't. Now, if he approaches you, he is coming over because he knows 100% that you are not going to reject him. If he doesn't, it's because he's married. And if he doesn't, I was going to say, it's <laughs> of one of three reasons. One, he's not single. Two, he's gay. Or three, you're not his type. 
and that's okay. Now, the third one might sting a bit, but that's okay. Now, if you're at one of my events, you've actually got rid of the first two mm-hmm. because they're all single and they're all heterosexual. So if they don't approach you, it's because you're not their type. And that is okay. We're not meant to be all things to all people. Okay, so the next thing, Joan, that I want you to talk about is setting your intent. Yeah, this is really important, which actually connects right in with the affirmation that I started the show with. I'm looking forward to connecting with interesting people and having fun. Now, you have to actually do the work behind that. So while you're saying that, what does that mean to you? What does it look like? How do you set your intent? Your intent is visualizing the way that you are going to conduct yourself. I'm not going to allow my inner child to flare up if some boy doesn't look at me or want to talk to me or there's another girl there that seems more popular than me and getting all the attention or whatever is going on. Just let that go and make sure that you have positioned yourself visually, that you can see yourself in that room or in that social occasion where you're really standing with your shoulders back, your chin up, you've got lovely, soft, welcoming, warm, embracive body language, that you're smiling, that you're really feeling good about yourself. You set your intent as well by reminding yourself of your value, of your worth, real of all of the gorgeous qualities that you are so blessed to have and that you you know that you bring in abundance to the connection with another. You know, I'm great at talking. I really love hearing people's stories. I'm good at making people feel good about themselves. That's my intent. I'm going to go in with that positive energy. Oh, look, set your intent is such a great Jane and Rebecca topic, full stop. And this, yeah. this, let's take this right out of dating and just talk about this in terms of your life. Keep a journal next to your bed and every morning or every night, whether you write it down or whether you just think it in a meditation, set your intent for your day. Set your intent for where you're going in your life, you know, with your money, with your business, with your relationships, with, with your friendships, with your travel, with your health. What are you, what are your, what is your intention? You need to know where you're going in order to get there. It sounds so obvious, but sometimes we get caught up in the rat race of life and we actually forget. Yes, we know where we are now. We know where we want to be. But what about the middle bit? Well, you got to do the middle bit. Yes. And this is the middle bit. This is the middle bit. <laughs> the journey. Yeah, that's it. Absolutely. And, you know, while you're at that, you can start to visualize what are these conversations going to, to sound like? What sort of things would I like to talk about? So, again, just to get off singles, what if you're – you know, your kids have started at a new school and you want to make sure that you make some friends with the parents there of the kids of the soccer team or whatever. What are those conversations that you're going to have? What are, And now coming back to singles, what are the conversations that you're going to have? Now, this isn't the time to be doing really full-on deep and meaningfuls, okay? It really is the time about it being boy meets girl, fun and flirtatious, or even girl meets girl, boy meets boy to make new friends, to network socially. It's about lighthearted, good fun. So what do you not talk about? Exes, dating experiences. And it's the first thing that everybody talks about. <laughs> you know, you've got now, regardless of what your ex story is, everyone's got one. Some are a bit more juicy than others. Ideally, if you've done the work on healing your past, you will be able to say when someone says, so what happened with your ex-partner or ex-relationship, whatever happened? Because people do want to know, you know, you, yeah, you might want to know. Oh, well, she's such a bitch, you know, she's taking me through the courts and the ringers and I can't stand and I've got this big battle and I've got a 20 grand bill from the lawyers and you know, on and on it goes and all women are or all men are. And it, Great, it, that's really attractive it, talk. I know, because it makes you think, well, if you and I have a relationship and don't work out, you're going 
going to refer to me using the same exactly. language. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. That's right. Too much baggage. And you will be dismissed and ruled out, judged out very fast on based on that answer. The only answer to give is along the lines of, you know, we had a very successful relationship for a number of years. Sadly, it ended. However, I'm really happy to be where I am now in life and moving forward. That's such a beautiful answer. But that's it. You know what? I don't want to hear the war and peace. I don't want to hear the story. It's boring. It is boring. And unless you've got somebody else doing a pity party and then you two of you can do it together yeah. and you're going to have a really toxic relationship. So the other thing just on that, no talks about dates. People talk, when they're on a date, they talk about their dates. If they've met on RSVP or eHarmony or whatever, they talk, oh, how's your experiences going? And the whole time you're being judged on your answers. Mm, it's like a job interview. It is, isn't it? You know? And so, you know, if you say, oh, yes, I've been on RSVP for three years, but, you know, met loads of really cool guys that haven't really got anywhere. He's, he's thinking, right, so I'm just another one of those. So you're a serial, you're a serial dater and you're just on there the whole time because you're looking for Mr. Perfect and he doesn't exist. Oh, you're one of those. People oh, are waiting to box you. Be careful. So do not talk about your dating experiences. You just say, you know what? I'm having fun. I'm really enjoying that we've connected and I'm looking forward to getting to know you over this date. Now, the other thing too of while you don't talk about your ex dating stories, you've just brought a third person in on the date. <laughs> Energetically, you have. Yeah, so it is. Absolutely. So now if you're a girl, you've now got alpha energy, a bit of competition going on here. Mm-hmm. And if it's a guy that's doing it, well, she's now got the whole jealousy thing or, you know, I actually thought I was, I wanted to be unique. You know, I wanted to be special. I wanted that's what women want to feel that. Yeah. So okay. hearing that you're doing the rounds is not working. So let's talk about bringing your rock star attitude to this whole dating world, Jane. Okay. So my rock star clients are the ones that really have true inequalities of of true self worth. That's a really beautiful rock, and that they know who they are. So they actually go in fully confident because they've listened to our self love episode. Exactly. <laughs> Done the work, feeling great about themselves, standing in their power as dynamic men and women, and so they don't require validation from anybody else. I want to drop in here something really interesting we were talking about over lunch before we did this podcast, which just just for interest's sake, that there's a difference between self-belief and self-worth, which which we were just talking about the fact that just because you have all the external validation stuff going on, like a really successful career or you're earning lots of money or you're a high flyer or whatever it is, it doesn't necessarily equate, of course, to good no. self-esteem or confidence. It doesn't. Self-love, happiness, you might be miserable, you know, that kind of exactly. thing. Exactly. Yeah, we all know rich, unhappy people. Well, yeah, for sure. We also, well, just have a look at how many successful, like, and if we're talking about validation externally, what about people that want to have um, fame? They want to be well-known. They want to be famous. Um I think they that, want to be a celebrity. Yes, the career audience of every is, teenager at the moment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, they, the audience is never big enough because you're seeking validation externally of what it is that you need to give yourself internally. Yeah, yeah. And we all know the happiest people are the people that really do have beautiful self-love. Bella Lame, Mother Teresa, there'll never be enough people, there'll never be not. enough anything if, you, if you've got that bottomless hole inside you. So it's about, Jane, Make sure that you have done or are continuing to do good self-development work if you're going out yes. in a single scene. Yes, absolutely. Anytime, anywhere that you're going to socialize. May also have this open attitude. Like the, the clients that I call rock stars are the ones that say yes to every reasonable request. And they say it with such excitement and positivity. The, the even bigger key, the thing that is wonderful is they make everybody feel good to be with. 
Oh, now that's getting into royalty, which we talked about once. Yeah, it is, but it's it's not about um, – it, it, okay, so where it's different to the – I won't go back over the royalty no. thing, but let's, let's just come into this. Where is it different is oh. that it's where when you make another person feel safe – feel really good about themselves they're going to show you who they are yeah. and now what yeah. happens you get to meet everybody on a deeper level which means you now get to choose who you really wish to be with because they all want to be with you it goes beyond just a higher etiquette type of a, a situation it actually comes into a nakedness of a soul type that's situation. right that's exactly it there is vulnerability in this and i love that quote that says you know why should i show you my naked body until you've earned my naked soul you know it's that it's that oh i haven't heard that i like it it was about building the rapport the trust the safety the respect the honorability like all of those beautiful values you know in a perfect world need to be in place before we just go start ripping our knickers off or just, I don't know. Yeah. It, it, it can't just be too easy and too quick, too fast because, I mean, this is the tantra side of it for me. It's like the, there's got to be anticipation and there's to be yearning, a bit of prolonging, a bit of slowness because technology has made everything, particularly the dating world, too quick. Like you can get somewhere in a three-hour text message chat with a boy now that, you know, traditionally might have taken three weeks or three months yes. to arrive at. And so as a result, I think everything's gone from woe to go. And yes. we need to get back a bit of that 1950s-style slowness. There's actually a whole movement out of the States called the, yeah, the slowness, the slow sex movement. Oh, is that, I hadn't heard that. I heard the slowness movement. Well, there's the slow movement. But there's the yeah. slow food movement and there's all these other yes. ways of yes. getting slowly. And one of them is, of course, in your relationship sector to, to you know, in the same way you would savour a beautiful wine or a fine dining experience, you want to savour a person, like a present to be unwrapped so it doesn't all happen at once. It's actually – Well, that leads out. into kissing. I was on radio last week talking about um, how important is the first kiss, mm. and I think it's very important. And on that, I'm going to give a few tips here, if you know, for our male listeners particularly because they tend to lead in the kiss thing. A first kiss should be a lingering, slightly open mouth, no tongue, just lip to lip, Gentle, sweet kiss. <laughs> the French kissing, the tongue is excited. left to later. And in fact, on my Facebook page, I've got the links that I put up of, um, uh, of the 10 steps to French kissing to do it properly and also the 10 things that guys do wrong when kissing. And it is energetically moving too fast. It's like they see it as a transaction to get from this point to that point. And I've got a theory. And women, oh, good. <laughs> women see it as this is how are you reading me? How are you able to read me? Are you reading me well? And if you don't get that first kiss right, you'll be ruled out energetically. The first, the way a person kisses you is a perfect metaphor for how they're going to have sex with you. That's right. That's it. it, it in in the strength, in, in the fastness, in the slowness, in that's the pressure, right. which is, in the approach. Which is why when I have women with high sex drives that say I have to have sex with them before monogamy because I need to know that they're good at it. And I've said, no, you can tell from a kiss if they're going to be good at sex because it's all about energetically reading you. Yeah, it's, it's so many things. It's all about somebody coming into your private energy space yes. and how they behave in that most intimate yes. energy space, intermingle their aura with yours. And the other thing? If you're having a great first date, guys, kiss her. Kiss her. Anyway, there you go. Okay. All right, dress to impress. First impressions count. 
Now, even though we've just harped on about leave the judgment at home, blah, 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 not everybody is listening to this podcast, not everybody is going to take this on board. So you're still living in a society where judgment is happening every single time that you step out. So you have to make a good first impression. And it just astounds me the number of times that I meet people that go to an event for the first time that are so underdressed, so casual, so no care has gone into it. Um, and I just think you're just not making the best of yourself. You know, we are a physical society. We do are visual. People do connect visually first, both men and women. I have all these men that come in and say, when I say, what are you looking for in a partner? Oh, you'll think me so shallow because they're going to start on the physical first. But women are too. Like this is this is it. If you can't see yourself kissing them, it's not going to happen. Even so, after three dates of checking and yeah. letting them grow on you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, look, like, it can happen. Yeah, it can happen. Absolutely. But if you can't see yourself kissing them, as in it's really a negative thing, it's just not going to happen, then it's not going to happen. If you can, when I say can't, that means it's a strong no. It's like, you know, no, if I was to kiss them, it would really repel me. Oh, we're so it was a combination about, of repel and repulse. I'm sorry, making up a new word. Because I think that there's people that you can look at and feel neutral about and probably think, oh, I probably wouldn't kiss them, but I could be friends. But then friendship can go somewhere. That's right, exactly. So if it's not turning you off, then they're still in the game. Right. Okay. Yep. Um, so, well, I lost my train of thought. Was, oh, yeah. So, first impressions, you know, you've got to make a good one. Now, I am a fan that everybody should get a second chance. Absolutely. And the way the universe works is that you do get a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance. However, let's get your first chance right so that you're not making your journey so hard. Put the effort in. You know, the girls, get your hair done properly. If you wear makeup, make sure that you wear it nicely. Get some nice clothes. Have you know your, your presentation is so important. Dirt under the fingernails, guys. You know nose, <laughs> clip hair, nose, ears, nose, hair, pluck, um, eyebrows, eyebrows. You know, comb over, shaved off. Brush um, your teeth before you go out. Oh yes, Have absolutely. A shower before yeah, you go good out. Hygiene, deodorant, clean clothes. Now the thing is that when you're well presented, heads turn. If you've got a positive energy combined with well-presented, you will have heads turn every single time, regardless of whether you're a fabulous, traditional-looking, beautiful-looking person or whether you're an average person. It doesn't matter. If you were presented well and you've got this inner, gorgeous, true sense of self-worth going on, that's heads will turn. That's a potent combination in itself, really. I yeah, think. it is. Really so that's the rock star, that's the rock star client. Yeah. That's the rock star. So they present beautifully. They have put great care into presenting well. They've got their inner game going on and their outer game is that they are warm and receptive and open and wanting to get to know everybody. Who wouldn't want to be Bingo. around someone like that? Exactly. This is magnetism. Mm. This is the Man law of attraction. Manufactured magnetism. No, it's not those. It's no, not because it's got to start from within. It's, we're talking about letting the essence glow out through and shine. That's right. Mm. You've got two games. You've got your inner game and your outer game. So these podcasts are to work on your inner game. And then when I provide dinners for six and social opportunities, that is for you to practice your outer game. And so, you know, the outer game is don't talk about your exes, is be open and warm, don't do the cold shoulders, all of that sort of stuff. Right, right. That's your outer game. And, and, you, and you might want to go back and listen to some of our podcasts about um, the art of good communication and some of those ones Yes, over-talkers. Mm, building rapport, yeah. Or those that don't talk at all. Overactive throat chakra. Or that are not reaching, <laughs> not reading body language. Yeah. 
It's hilarious, actually. Yeah. It's good. Yes. Some yes, of those exactly. Mm, yeah. Um, Jane talks a, a bit about leading with the wallet and leading with the vagina or penis, which I find fascinating. Um, I had a girlfriend who, you know, she's a six-foot blonde Amazon and she puts on the mini and the leopard print and she just storms into those nightclubs like taking no prisoners. You know, like, what is it? Is leading, right, yeah, she's leading with the vagina. No, yeah. I tell Jane this and Jane's like leading with the vagina. And I, I just fell about laughing because it's exactly true. She's going in and using her sex That's right. to play that game. Or the smooth guy that walks up and he is seducing you with his eyes before he's even opened his mouth with some really cool, sophisticated line. And he's six foot plus and he's got great big broad shoulders and he's got tight, really hot clothes on and he's funky and he is the alpha male in action. Yeah. He's leading with the penis. But they're the ones that are good looking and they know they are. They've never really had a lot of trouble necessarily. Okay, so the one that's average looking Mm -hmm. but but doing the best with his appearance can still be leading with the penis. He'll be talking about how he can seduce you and give you the most orgasms that you've ever had in your life. Right. And that'll be on on that, not even on a first date, that'll be on the first meeting that you'll be hearing about that. Leading (laughs) with the penis. What's leading with the wallet? But there's also leading with the penis where the guy's will pick the girl based on whether the penis gets off the couch or not. Meaning? What does that mean? Meaning, it's a Patty Stanger thing, meaning that if the penis gets off the couch. Oh, she's talking about she's an erection. She's using a hand signal here that you can't (laughs) see. (laughs) Okay, so that's the guys that are picking who are they going to want to date based on whether uh, the penis is doing the picking on who the penis wants to have sex with. Okay, so that's just a purely sex type. Yeah, it is, that's right. But a lot of guys haven't heard that before and they don't even realise that that's what they've been doing. And I think And so they're consciously aware. They're not qualifying the buyer. And if I think of my own girlfriend in this equation, like they actually, what she's doing as well is, look, she's had a rough childhood and she's learned a lot of lessons in this lifetime about you put up your walls and you put on your warrior alpha female energy to survive. So when she goes out, it's a real mental game. She doesn't know how to drop into her heart because her heart for boys is vulnerability, it's transparency, it's it's a little bit scared, it's a bit too too much fear. Yeah, it is also, also though, that she has often women that have grown up as very pretty little girls are quite imbalanced in their sense of self-worth, they mm. actually are leading with their appearance yeah. because they actually don't think that it, there's anything else worth it. And this is why I'm so thinking about, about those. You know, doing the list of, you know, what's all the beautiful things about me that I bring to the party. I'd like to see some of those alpha jocks as well who are so used to just getting getting in on their muscles or what, what have you, the big white teeth or whatever, um, going to one of those dating in the dark parties where they actually have to use their personality, like the, the vulnerability, the essence of their soul, the truth of their personality. Well, they know, can't Make love with their personality yeah. and, and they're not used to doing it no. that way. Which is why the girl or boy next door is actually the easiest one in dating because they've actually developed a personality. Yeah. Often they felt that they had to. Right, right. Fascinating stuff. It is fascinating, Leading with the wallet. Leading with the wallet. Leading with the wallet is the person that makes sure that you know that they've got the uh, BMW car ring is left on the bar for you to be able to see that they've got that. It's making sure they tell you that they've got, you know, this match and that they're living in a really affluent suburb, that they are lead with their career, that you would know that they've got a, you know, six-foot-plus figure income, et cetera, et cetera. And again, why is that? Because inside is the little boy or girl that's saying, I'm not worthy, but my money, I know you all want money. So here, look at me. I'm successful. Please like me, but I can do this for you. Yeah. So it's all in a child. Hey, Jane, I want to finish up today talking about the rubber band theory because I know there's going to be a lot of people out there, men and women, although I've heard a lot of stories from women on this one, where 
you come into a relationship with someone or you start to really warm up with someone, you may exchange a lot of intimacies, you know, communicate some deep feelings, spend some amazing time. Maybe you have some mind-blowing sex. Maybe you see each other a lot for a few weeks, lots of pinging on the phones back and forth, and then they disappear. Or they, 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 they pull a few stunts. They either sort of come, but they hold you at arm's length bizarrely overnight, or they just completely kind of just drop off and disappear completely, and then you have to actually get over it, and you, you're often quite heartbroken because you may have started to fall in love with the person. What is going on in those scenarios? Oh, okay. Well, loads of different things. It's hard without actually sitting down in that person's energy and going, bang, here's exactly what's going on. Uh, typically, I would say that uh, fear of intimacy, fear of commitment, fear of um it's someone with emotional issues that oh yeah absolutely and they may i know it can be confusing because they may woo you a bit with with elements of themselves that do seem intact and amazing and maybe even spiritual or something but the rest of the pieces of pie in that pie chart haven't been filled in yet so they actually can't bring the goods like bring it all to the table or they can't kind of sustain no that's right It, it can also be like with with hand in hand with a fear of commitment is often a lack of belief in in any value in a long-term relationship. So there'll often be people that are infatuated by that first stage, the honeymoon period. So, you know, they'll hang around for usually somewhere between 6 and 12 weeks and then they're gone. And so that's where all the feel-good bubbles are, are happening and, and it's all fun. It can be the fear that the, the thrill of the chase, the conquering of it, and then once I've conquered her or him, move on. Um, it's all about external validating and it's also about – um, perhaps not seeing the worth of what a long-term relationship brings. So you'll often find that they've come from families where there hasn't been an example in their families of what a good, rich relationship looks like that is long-term. And so they just often don't believe in it, but they might not even be doing this consciously. It can be subconsciously that they're just not desiring it because why would I want to end up with somebody long-term because all you end up doing is fighting and divorcing and hating each other and you know, they have some inaccurate belief systems going on. Yeah, big time. I know someone, at least one person has actually written into us about this, but I've also had girlfriends that just seems recently asking me about this. Um, anyway, so I just thought it was something, because someone else, another girlfriend of mine did, did call it the rubber band theory, and I thought that does make sense. It's where they come, but they snap back, and then they, yeah. Look, timing is such a big thing, and... So often I've seen people that have met, they've dated, it's been a bit hot and fast and furious, then it's ended, um, one of them's upset about it, one of them's not, and then they kind of go around the block and three or four years later they re-meet and now it's the right time for both of them. Fascinating. And that's, I was actually talking to a guy about that this morning. He actually rang me to say he's ready to go back to dinners and he realised he made the mistake of coming too soon after his separation and he's had a lot of soul-searching over the last few years. He said, now I want to go back to dinners but I'm actually happy to re-meet everybody that I met before because I'm now looking for something different and I'm a different person. He's got a different filter on and he will see yeah. things that he hasn't seen before. And That's we, right. You know, this is law of vibration and, and this is something that I'm, sh- I'm sure we've mentioned before, but let's mention it here for the purposes of this podcast. If you're going to do self-work on yourself, be aware it's really going to change your vibration of who you are, what you emit as a person, your frequency that you vibrate on. And that means... 
It's a little bit like being handed access, private access or keys to doors that you wouldn't normally be allowed to go and look in. So when you've done self-work and you've climbed up the emotional ladder in, or let's say the spiritual ladder or whatever you want to call it, the self-improvement ladder, you've cleaned some of your junk out and you're vibrating at a higher, faster, cleaner, happier level, all of a sudden you are, of course, going to attract in experiences, behaviors, people, friendships, relationships, loves that you never, ever, ever would have been permitted access to before. It's like the universe actually unveils them to you. And this often happens to me when I'm doing readings for people and they'll be asking about their futures and so forth. And I'll say, look, I can see him and he's there waiting for you, but there's no way you're ready to meet him yet because you've got a lot still left to learn or experience before you're ready to meet him at that level. Yes. You know, to be right for each other. exactly. So I love your point about the guy acknowledging that he's ready to come back around this time with a different attitude and he knows he's going to have a completely different experience. And on that note, I also reckon, theory, that the universe sometimes blocks you from the one until you're ready. How many people have the story where they knew their husband or wife and then years passed and then they met them again and connected properly? Mm, my husband and I, were, we met 10 years ago. I thought that was you. Yeah, yeah and, but, and first time I met him, I would have thought he was boring as batshit yeah. and he would have thought I was a, um, a stuck-up um, little show-off. Cheerleader. <laughs> and, and, and that would have been pretty accurate probably then. <laughs> Ten years later, different people but yeah. right people and um, and it was fabulous. Yeah, but even sometimes I think it's like take heart. If you found someone you had an amazing chemistry with or something that maybe you lost contact with or that just they went on a different path and you couldn't get them back or couldn't find them again because, you know, it is one of those beautiful old adages about, you know, if you love something, set it free. If it's meant to be, it will come back yep. to you. There may be a time in the future that you've got to trust that things actually will come back around again. Yeah, they do. They absolutely you. do. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, there was one other thing I was going to ask about, Jane. Uh, uh, uh. We'll just, was something quickly, I just wanted to go on to things like, just quickly, because I know this doesn't relate to, too much to socialising, but it does to dating, is, you know, who pays for the date? Just speak your truth. What about sex? You know, just speak your truth. And it's things like, if you're going on a date and a lot of guys think, oh, it's traditional for me to pay, and a lot of women think, oh, I don't want the man to pay, then it means I've got to put out. Now, we have talked about this in other podcasts, but really... The answer is that, you know, go in with your intent and your energy beforehand. What would you like to do? I encourage people to pay for their own way initially. Um, so if you go in and and you've jointly organized the date, then when the bill comes, just say, oh, you know, here, let me get my share. Um, if a man offers to pay, you can accept gracefully. If you wish, if you want to see him again, accept graciously and say, thank you. I've really enjoyed getting to know you. Um, perhaps, you know, we've talked about going to the movies. I'll get the movie tickets or whatever. Yeah. But just speak kindly. Don't get hung up on you. Can't blow this. If you don't know, share your awkwardness because it's it's going to be shared vulnerability. You can sit at a dinner and say, you know what, I haven't actually dated much and I really don't know what the rules are anymore. I'm not sure. Do I pay? Do you pay? What What do you feel? How You can be open and honest. It's a great way of having a good conversation. And believe me, if you haven't dated much, that actually says a lot about you because the only people that get really, really good at dating are the people that do loads and loads of it. Mm. And, you know, there's a reason if you're doing loads and loads of it, there's something not quite right there. Yeah. So trust the, the person that's vulnerable and saying, sharing their heart. And the same with sex. You know, it's just be open and honest honest i really enjoy getting to make meet you i'm not ready to go there yet value yourself communication is 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 everything and as adults i think you should you should 
be okay with just expressing whatever is on your mind in a truthful, right. honest, open way, and it's fine. I thought of something else that I thought you should just quickly um, talk about, Jane, which is to do with timing and it is to do with if you have come out of a relationship, maybe particularly a long-term one, Jane's got some rules about that. Yeah, look, roughly speaking, it's a month for every year in the relationship that I think you need to take to heal. It will vary hugely for a lot of people, but if you've been in a 20-year marriage, then a 20-month you know, uh, healing period is great. Uh, watch for the rebound relationship. Um, people do this all the time, but particularly men, uh, where they come out of a marriage, they're newly separated, you know, two months, three months separated, and they're feeling emotional pain. They want to get rid of the pain. The answer to them is to get another girl, get a girl, have a girlfriend who makes me feel fabulous. Now, usually what happens is they go for the first person that comes along that's warm, kind, generous, supportive, loving, because they haven't had that in their marriage for a long time. They'll get the exact opposite, right? And it's a train wreck waiting to happen. So if you do fall for that, there is the the positive side of it that it will make you feel good. It will make you feel desired. It will make you feel happy. It will make you feel warm. All of those things are fabulous. But don't do anything that can't be undone easily, i.e. don't go moving in together, don't go buying property together, don't go, you know, planning long-term, very expensive holidays overseas, whatever. Just really tread gently in the things that are hard to reverse. So why is it dangerous to find someone that appears to be a complete opposite to what you've just had? Um because the reality is that what happens, you go into the relationship thinking, okay, well, it didn't work with my ex and my ex was X, Y, Z, so I'm going to go for A, B, C. And it's just as extreme when right. the reality is you probably want something in the middle. So all you're doing is going for contrast, and this is where the universe provides us with our lessons of when we've got contrast, we have that so that we can be more consciously aware of what our new desire is. We're going to finish off this hour with Jane's beautiful affirmation. I'm looking forward to connecting with interesting people and having fun. Look, this is only the second time in Love Life history that we've ever done a one-hour show. I think you can tell why because Jane's got so much information she could put it in a book. No, wait, she has. She has put it in a book and you can buy it. That's a terrible plug, isn't it? But no, I know Jane actually does have a book called How to Get the Date, which is why she's such a master on everything we've been talking about today. And, of course, if you want it. Yeah, look, you can go to my website, which is janedonovan.com.au, D-O-N-O-V-A-N. There's a downloadable version and there's the uh, the softback uh, version that can be posted out. So we, of course, also ask you to come to our Facebook page. You guys have been great about doing this. So keep sending those little private messages and, you know, Post stuff on there too, but if you want a private message, us topic ideas or your thoughts. Yeah, please do. It's facebook.com forward slash love life show or one word. And next week, please join us as always on the wellnesscouch.com uh, for the next half hour free installment of Love Life. Every Wednesday, I'm Rebecca Detman. I'm Jane Donovan. Have a fabulous week. Life is perfect. I'm not trying. It's just happening.